I love that song. I love Josh's voice on it, too. Isn't it good? Right? Man. The stars were made to worship. Made to worship, so will I. If the rocks cry out to God in silence, we should, too. Oh, man. I am, uh, it's weird. I'm sitting in, like, Mitch's row today. And, you know, I'm usually over here, but I figured, you know, I don't know. I'm going to have to get this and bring it over. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird sitting over there. He's, uh, he's away on vacation. He's going down the slopes of Breckenridge right now. That's pretty fun. I told him he's a little too tall to be skiing. You know, stay low. Watch out for the branches. You know, don't go off any jumps. Don't try to do anything crazy. Um, but yeah, he'll be back next week. But so you're stuck with me. I'm excited. Um, yeah, I'm excited to do where we're going to be. Um, have you guys ever heard the story of the uh, the two wolves? You guys have heard the story before? Has anybody ever heard the story? Raise a show of hands. The story of the two wolves. One, two, three. I, I know you've heard it. You got it. Yeah. Tattoo, it's nice. Three or four? Okay. Well, um, let me read it to you. The story goes like this. The Tale of Two Wolves. So, one evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. It's joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, forgiveness, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute, and then he asked his grandfather, So... Which one wins? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. We can really dissect that, um, that story. You know, it is said that it was um, actually a Billy Graham claimed to have written it for a sermon um, years ago. Uh, and it was actually... I don't think it was originally Cherokees. It was, um, I can't remember the indigenous group of Alaska and not Eskimos, but I can't remember the name. But um, apparently he changed it to Cherokee because of the rights and, and they wouldn't you know, go after him and all these things. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, is you know, today we, we get to focus on a sermon called the... Flesh versus the spirit. I don't know if they're going to have it up there. But there's a battle going on between a war inside of us with the flesh, right, and the spirit. And we'll be in the second half of Galatians. But before we get there, I want you to sit with a question. I want you to sit with this question. Do you desire to be fathered or fed? Simple question. 
Ask yourself, do I desire to be father-fed? Now, there's life-threatening implications to your desire of choice, right? Because a father will teach you how to fish, right? Not just feed you. Father or fed. We can agree that God is love, Christ is love, the Holy Spirit is love, three in one, right? This is our theology, part of our theology, correct? Okay. The same love fulfills the law, and then that very essence of love is birthed in you. If you're a believer, then you have the presence of the indwelling Spirit of God in you, right? The dwelling inside of us as a personal power to live for pleasing God. That's what the Holy Spirit yearns to do, right? It yearns to be with the Father. It wants to please the Father. It wants to be with the Father. The Spirit of God in us wants to be with itself. The Spirit of God in me recognizes the Spirit of God in you, and then I can love my neighbor as myself. That's how that happens, right? But our flesh, our biology, the very thing that makes us human beings, fallen human beings, fights against that. Right? It wants to snuff out that fire, that life, right? That's that's in us. Josh's wife is pregnant right now. She has a life that's in her right now. Each and every was each and every one of us have a life. The Spirit of God that is in us. The flesh wants to snuff that out. Is that making sense? Some of you are shaking your heads, not knowing how to respond. <laughs> okay, how about this? Me and my uh, my daughter loves uh, her favorite game to play with me for some reason is rock paper scissors. She loves playing rock paper scissors. So we're playing rock paper scissors the other day, and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, so rock smashes scissors. Scissors cut paper. Paper covers rock. What if humans are paper? Can paper truly cover the rock if the rocks cry out? Sorry, did there? Yeah, sit with that conundrum. You know, here's the problem. When I see, I have too much time. I have, I have too much. People are like, wait a second, what? The rock, the rocks cry out, and. Humans cover that we cover this stuff. Oh, yeah, I have too much time and, and to preach, and I started thinking about even childish like games in a biblical sense. So, yeah, back on track. So, God is love. Christ is love. Holy Spirit is love. Three in one, right? This is our theology. God, the Spirit of God is birthed in you. Keep that as context in the forefront of your mind. We're going to dive into Galatians. Galatians 5, we're going to start at 7. Galatians 5 and 7. So listen to this. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. I have confidence in you. Well, in the Lord, really. 
that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. My question is, who is it? Like, identify who it is, what it is. Is it him? Is it her? Is it, is it our iPhone? Smartphone? The shows we watch? What's hindering us? Is it the lust and pride and arrogance that's in you, in me? What does Jesus say? Do what I say. What does Jesus say? John 14. John 14 and 23. Listen to this. Jesus answers and says to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. See, there's a need for a habitual practice in obedience. Why? Because we are the temple of the Lord. Right, we are a kingdom of priests. It's who we are. Think about that. We're not just like a cohort, like a little group. A kingdom of priests. This is the temple of the Lord. This is this is huge. That fact actually demands maturity. I heard my friend Zach say this the other week. Like being a kingdom of priests, that demands maturity. Like we have to, we have to mature. In the spirit. But we take this flippant way of thinking when faced with the truth about the life that's in us. What's worse is that the enemy wants you to have this casual attitude, right, towards life. This laissez-faire position about life. Like, ah, you know, whatever it will be, it will be. And I can't really do anything. Prayer doesn't really do anything. You know, what's going to happen is going to happen. Right? Listen to me. This is not a game. This is not a joke. This is not PlayStation, and I'm not a comedian. This is our lives, right? We must mature the living spirit that is in us, the indwelling spirit, dwelling in us, however you want to slice it. Because we're at a war. You didn't know that. There's a war for your soul going on right now. All right, I'm going to get to the scripture that we're supposed to be reading. Galatians 5, that's where we are. Galatians 5, we'll start in 13. For brother, you have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware that you be consumed by one another. Here it is. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh 
lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Pause right there. If you read uh, Romans 7.15, Paul's, he has that struggle. Like, Man, I want to do the things that I want to do, but then I don't do the things that I want to do when I do the things that I want to do and I don't do them. It's, I'm paraphrasing. It's kind of like that. But he's, he's like, man, why this battle that's in me, right? Here, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law because Christ fulfills the law, like I said earlier, right? So verse 19. Now the works of the flesh, they're evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, all of these have to do with sexual immorality, right? Verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. All of those really are manifested through relationships. He says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as if I told you in times past, like I've already told you. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pause there. Those who practice such things. The key word is practice. That's the key. In Francis Schaeffer's book, The Mark of the Christian, he wrote this about true oneness. Listen to what he says. So in John 13 and 17, Jesus talks about a real, seeable oneness, a practicing oneness, a practical oneness across all lines among all true Christians. The Christian really has a double task. He has to practice, practice both God's holiness and love. The Christian is to exhibit that God... uh, Exist as the infinite personal God, and then he is to exhibit simultaneously God's character and holiness of love. Unlike Alan Iverson would say, practice is pretty important. That's not a shot at Alan Iverson. He's like one of my favorite athletes, by the way. <laughs> practice? You talking about practice? Yes, we're, just, we're talking about practice. That's what we're talking about, right? So. I'm a coach. You know, I've been a coach for a while. I've coached speed and agility, quickness, basketball, track and field. Um, I've had athletes from eight years old to professional, right? And so let's say, like, I'm coaching them on just running form, just running form, right? And I say, okay, let me see you run. And they run, right? And they're, all right. And their arms are all over the place like this, and they're running. And I say, all right, all right, good. How'd that, how'd that feel? Man, it's fast. I feel like you're saying bolt. I was like, oh, well, not, not quite, right? There's, there's four types of competence. Have you guys heard this before? The four types of competence. So there's, there's unconscious incompetence. So he was running, but he was unconscious unconsciously aware that he was incompetent at running. Like, he was like, yeah, that's good. Like, no. Same thing can go on the piano. You 
put someone on the piano. They're dun dun dun. Yeah, Mozart. No, no, no. We can teach you. So that's not what Mozart sounds here. Listen to Josh play. Listen to Kevin play. That's what it's supposed to sound like. They're like, oh, okay. Now they realize, hmm, that's not good. So now they're consciously aware. So conscious incompetence, right? When I tell them that's not what Usain Bolt looks like when he runs. He keeps everything inside his frame. His his arms are not out here. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Now I'm aware of my incompetence in that sphere. Until you get to a point where you're consciously competent, right? Okay, so I know if I run like this, but I got to focus, right? I got to focus on running, keep everything inside my frame, arms not out here. Okay, elbow. Okay, hand, ear, ear to hip, ear to hip. Okay, got it. If I'm playing the piano, I'm focusing really hard. Okay, this is how it sounds. These are the keys. These are the chords. All right. But if I lose my focus, I start going back to, you know, I start reverting back to what I I was. So we want to get to, I want to get to where Josh is on this, right? Where he's just, he's having a conversation. He's just playing. Like, how are you doing that? And he's hitting the the button to it at the same time with his foot, and he can just play. That is that is unconscious. He's just unconscious competence. He just does it right. He just does it. There's people that can just play beautifully and then have a conversation with you. They don't even need to think. They just feel it, right? This is where we want to get to when it pertains to walking in the spirit, right? We want to get to unconscious competence where it just, like I've been practicing so much at being with God, I've been carving out so much time to, to be with him that it's just, it feels unnatural if, if, if I'm not. Like, man, something's off. Like, did I, did I pray to that? I didn't pray to it. That's, that's what it is. That's why I feel weird, right? That's where we want to get to. Because we are a temple of the Lord, a kingdom of priests. We are a temple of the Lord, not just in our physical body, but this includes our mind, our will, our emotions, all of which are subject to sin. All of which are subject to sin. You've probably heard us talk about the term biopsychosocial, spiritual. It's a social worker term, right? Those, those four different realms. Um, if you're flourishing in these realms, your biology, psychology, sociology, and spirit, if all those you're flourishing in, that is considered complete wholeness. Right. But understand that the flesh wants no part of home improvement. Right? Doesn't want you to improve. Not at all. Let's talk biology. You're not back in high school. Okay, so it's okay. But what does the Bible say about our bodies? Let's look at first Corinthians. First Corinthians six. 15 through 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. Now this is Paul, and this is what he says. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know 
that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Pause right there. He's referencing, uh, was it Genesis, right? 2.24, we talks about marriage. It's like, you know, the, the son shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they will become one flesh, right? And that's a mystery, but they become one flesh. He's saying here that, you know, when you join yourself to a harlot, he's talking about sexual immorality. So he says, flee sexual immorality, verse 18. For every sin that a man does outside is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. We know what that price was on the cross. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are all God's. Remember earlier that I said that the Holy Spirit is birthed in you like a child. And just like a child, a mother or a father wants to protect that being. My newborn daughter's right here. Kyra, she's looking at me. God, so beautiful. How you doing? I know. She's just drooling. <laughs> but do you think that when Aaron and I were pregnant, that Aaron did anything to harm the life that was in her? Did she ingest anything that harmed the life that was in her? No. Did I bring anything home that could harm, like, let's say cigarette smoke. I, if you smoke, that's fine. I don't, I don't smoke cigarettes. But, like, let's say and I'm smoking around her and I'm blowing smoke in her face where she's ingested. Did I do anything that would harm her? You know, did I check all the window seals for mold and make sure she wasn't breathing in stuff? Yes. Right? I mean, I'm, I was making sure everything was clean. I wanted everything to be clean. You know, we're... we're we're older, right? so um, she's like, speak for yourself. But, but yeah, you know, we did every we didn't we wanted we didn't want to harm the life that was in us. We were meticulous about taking care of that life, right? Um, but you need to understand that you you are impregnated with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, huh? Say it that way. Think about it like that. There's a life inside you. So if I sin, the Holy Spirit is grieved because it has to witness it. It has to go along for the ride. Brian Houston from Hillsong is in the news. You know what happened with Carl Lentz? Pray for them. You should be praying for your pastors. Pray for us. I can't imagine this, but if I or my wife committed adultery, or if you who are not married participated in fornication, 
Are you habitually indulged in pornography? The Holy Spirit has no choice but to come along for the journey. Jerome, this is not a fun sermon. Jeez. You see, we can be so disconnected from what is true that we think we live in a dualistic reality, that our bodies are disconnected from our spirit. It's not wrong. Everything is connected. If it was disconnected, the Holy Spirit wouldn't be grieved because it wouldn't have to see that. Remember, our bodies are a temple of the Lord. Temple of the Lord. Like this is a temple. Yeah, temples, but now our bodies are temples. Imagine committing adultery right here on the altar. And then sitting our children right here, front row, so they can see all the action. Think my daughter would be grieved? Or how about I take my daughter and I go over to Publix and I curse out the teenager that didn't double bag my groceries and I just spit venom and hate in his direction. And I'm with Sila, my daughter. She's seven. And I'm like, hey, pay attention because this is how we deal with people. Right? You think she would be grieved? Think the Holy Spirit isn't grieved from that? Well, how about I take my daughter, sit her in front of the TV and watch? Do I got to say it? See, when you think about it like that, right, it's, oh, drone, that's, no, that's separate, no. All one. This is the temple now. It's not a game. It's a war for your soul. That's why it's so crucial to practice walking in the Spirit. You have to practice to get better at the piano. I have to practice to get better at running form. I have to get pra- I have to practice to get. If I want to shoot like Steph Curry, I gotta practice. We have that thing called beef. I don't know what's called balance. It, what, what, do you think I know what it is? Oh, gosh, it's like the four. It's like the. It's like letters. It's like I know one's balance, and then like follow through is the end, and then I think one of them's elbow, and then eyes. Oh, that's what it is. There we go. Okay, balance. Gotta have my eyes on the target. And then elbow here, not out here, because that, that means the ball's going that way. Okay, elbow here, and then follow through. Okay, and then I can't just talk about it. I've got to be about it. If I want to be the best shooter, I've got to do the work. He's doing the work. I can't just be like, oh, man, yeah, man, I'm going to play in the NBA. Okay, well, what have you been doing? Have you been practicing? How many shots have you been getting up? Uh, no, nah, I don't really have time for that. And that's, okay, well. Come on, Alan Iverson. Probably would have won a championship. He did some more practice. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm off that. I'm, I'm off that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alan. I love, I love Alan. I really do. I really love him. Um, 
But yeah, it's important, right, to practice walking in the Spirit so that we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh and grieve the very life that's in us. The flesh is, the flesh is funny. You know, Richard J. Foster would say, you know, the flesh is like a spoiled little child, right, that doesn't need indulgence but needs discipline, right? I think about, again, like I said, I was a coach, and you ever have, you, some of you some of you were coaches in here, you ever, has anyone ever did a plank before? You did a plank, right? Did a plank, and then you try to hold a plank for like a minute, minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Dad was like, no. <laughs> but you're holding the plank, and then like, you ever realize you're, you're, you start holding your breath? You're like, oh, I'm trying. And it's like, okay, right? I'm telling like, why are you holding your breath? Like, like what? Like you're doing the exact opposite of what you need. Like your muscles need oxygen to work properly, but now you're holding your breath and you think you're going to make it through. It's not going to happen. Now, why is that? Well, one might say that the flesh is trying to sabotage everything we do. Even our physical workouts wants to sabotage it. Wants nothing to do with any type of place. <laughs> oh man. But it's true, right? So it's it's interesting, even like psychologically, right? Do you think that we are not being affected by everything that we consume? Or there's food, news, media, whatever you can think of, like you think this doesn't affect us like psychologically? Or socially, do you think that we're not affected? I mean, look at all the anxiety and depression from that 2020 causes was a catalyst for in a lot of ways. Now, socially, there's disconnection, right? Spiritually, your flesh does, doesn't want to sit still for meditation. Like, what? Meditate got time for that that's a waste of time prayer no, no, no ain't got time for that that's a waste of time fasting <laughs> you better not even think about it you better feed me <laughs> feed me Seymour I need to eat oh man Little Shop of Horrors it's an old school movie for you youngins in there um, study yeah man yeah I want to study the word about every time I study I'm going Right, the flesh, but but you can stay awake and watch Netflix all day, like all night, no problem. But reading, like, oh, no, I get some get so tired. Oh, the flesh wants to sabotage everything, everything we do. Just be aware, just be aware of that. Everything we do is connected. We are all connected, members of Christ. What I do affects you. We should probably go over this next week, but I like to peek into the future. You know, I like to pull the veil behind the curtain and see what's happening. So we're going to go to Galatians 6. I just want to read one thing for you here. Galatians 6 and 7 through 9. What does Paul say here? Do not be deceived, comma. Love that. Right off the bat, listen, don't be deceived. 
God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, what do you think he's going to get? Of the flesh he will reap. He will reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So he who practices things of the flesh, these are the results, death. If you practice things of spirit, this is the result, life. Life, death. We've got to get rid of this casual attitude towards sin. I was talking to, who was I talking to? Talking, uh, I'm not going to call her out. But uh, we were talking about sin, and I was like, you know, sin can be, you know, it starts off so small. I said, like a little baby alligator. And it's just cute. You know, it's like, oh, look at a little cute little alligator. I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to keep you. It's so cute. And, you know, you put it just underneath your bed. <laughs> and you come back. You, know, you check on it. Oh, you got a little bigger. Oh, that's so cute. And then one day, it's fully grown. And you're like, what have I done? And then it eats you. Death. That's what sin leads to. <laughs> leads to death. So, moral of the story is do not keep alligators underneath your bed. It's bad. Okay? It's bad for your health. It is. But understand that the flesh will kick, scream, whine against the spirit. But eventually, if you keep feeding the spirit... The flesh will fall in line. Okay? It, it has to. God will start changing you from the inside out. Keep practicing the desires of the Spirit, which is to be near and commune with God. Right? The one who first loved who? Us. One who first loved us. So I want to end with this. Matthew chapter 21. We all should be pretty familiar with this. We're walking into this next week. The triumphal entry. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage, at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied with a colt, tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need for it. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and they did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who 
followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who's this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Pause right there for just a second. This is what it's like, Seth in Christ. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Come into my life. Yes, I, I have Jesus. Right? They were excited, laying down branches for him and putting him on a cult, and then just laying their clothes just all over. Just come, yes, come, come, Lord, come, Maranatha, come, Lord, come. Verse twelve. What's the first thing Jesus does? And then Jesus went to the temple. First thing. First thing he did, went to the temple, drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables and the money. What's underneath there? What's underneath there? What, what, no, get that out of here. Everything. So what do you think he's going to do in your life? You asked him to come. If you want Jesus to come in, he's going to overturn the tables in your life. Right? Your was your house. It was Rome's house. Not anymore. Now it's God's temple. So he's going to be like, okay, where's it at? Where's the pills? Where's the drugs? Yep. Where's, it? where's the porn? I know, you're, I know you're hiding stuff. Yep, this is clean. Nope, all this needs to be done. Okay, nope. Clean that. Nope, we're getting done. Yep, we're coming through here. Oh, can I just have this little man cave here? What? Yeah, I love my little man cave. You know, I kick it. I hang out. You know what I'm saying? I watch my shows. And nope, that stuff, that, nope, no man cave. Doesn't matter. Or you might be like, well, you know, Lord, you can have everything, but this is my kitchen. I, this is the way I cook, and this is my kitchen. Nope, nope, this ain't your kitchen anymore. You know, your recipes are not that great. <laughs> okay? I'm going to be cooking in here now. Oh, oh, I don't really know about that. It's really hard to give up my kitchen. It's hard to give up my man cave. That's what you're asking. Temple. Temple of the Lord. So sit with that. He drove them out. Verse 13. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. His house shall be a house of prayer. His house. His house. His house. His house. His house. His house, his house, his house, a house of prayer. Amen? You pray. Ben, you can come back up. Lord, we just, we surrender, Father. I surrender. Lord, we ask you to come. Clean out our house. We want you to lead, Father. Because we don't do it well. We fall. But you are there to pick us back up, Lord. So we want you to lead. Father, remind me that I need to practice 
I need to practice turning my vision up every single day to you, Father. Recalibrating my vision to you. Because when we don't, we are subject to all the sins that I just said. Let us have a revulsion, a repulsiveness for sin, Lord. Just a disgusting taste in our mouth, Lord. We see things that are broken. Let us turn to you, Father. But also, Father, let us see the good. Let us see the good and celebrate, Father. Because you are God and we are not. You are the creator and we are creature, Lord. So our heart is yours, Father. We love you. We say this in Jesus' name.